0: to be based on what I've seen in excess, then I'm actually not being obedient to the word. And I want to be true to the scripture, whether I like it and whether or not you like it. I just wanna be true to the word because at the end of the day, I've got a job review coming. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. I'm gonna stand before the Lord and I get to give account, and I get to have a, a doubly severe checkup because of being a teacher. So I'm not gonna leave this for chance. I'm gonna take care of business. We're gonna teach the word. We're gonna deal with the issue of generosity, giving, receiving, we're gonna go for it. And it's a moment of correction for us because we need to to get the the clear uh, teaching of the scripture on this issue. Now, as I mentioned, I realize that there has been much excess and there's been much manipulation as it relates to the issues of giving and receiving. And as I, as I was leaning into this study over the last couple weeks, uh, I was, well, I knew there were a lot of verses in the Bible about giving and receiving. I've looked at them in the past, but I was freshly reminded about how often the Bible talks about giving and receiving. But the other thing that caught my attention was how often I've heard teachings that pluck a verse out of and use it to, to manipulate people to give. And that is not the the feeling of the entirety of the scripture on this issue. Um, And so what I I desire to do is this. I desire to teach in a way that honors the scripture and never manipulates people to give financially. Amen. Now you're going, but you're teaching on generosity. Surely there's a punchline coming. Well, of course there is. Of course there is. We got to all be more Generous. I got to be more generous and you got to be more generous. For real, all of us do. And that's the third point that I would just say in just my study, just finding like conviction in the area of this issue of generosity, seeing how richly the Bible calls us to give and to release and to sow and being even just convicted in my own heart, you know, thinking of myself as a pretty generous guy, but then looking at how the scripture lays things out and being like, oh, you know, the, the truth just doesn't let you off the hook, does it? When you, get, when you get in front of the word and you get in front of the truth, it just, it just has a way of like figuring you out, finding you out, revealing yourself to yourself but I'd way rather have that here than there. Come on. I'd way rather be shocked right here right now than shocked at the judgment seat. And so we need truth, we need it clear, we need it in love, but we need it with conviction of the Holy Spirit. So that's my endeavor, to lean into this over the next several weeks and ask the Holy Spirit to release truth, to plumb line us in the area of generosity, giving, receiving, tithing, offering, all these areas. All right. At the introduction there in your notes, I've taught this year several series hitting against the issue of narcissism. Earlier in the year, I taught about offense, and we've, we've, we've de- dealt with difficult issues kind of all year long. Um, just coming off of the, the, the unity message and going right into the generosity message, we're just not really pulling any punches. We're going for it. But Uh, Look at this verse here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where the scripture talks about the perils of the last days. I've referenced this many times before, but I want to emphasize something that's clear here. Look at this. Paul's teaching, Timothy says, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. That's narcissism, and we've said much about that in the days past. For men will be lovers of themselves, comma, Lovers of money. Isn't it interesting? I think Paul is putting them in order of uh, the way that they will be amplified sins at the end of the age. And he, he has at the head of the list, narcissism, improper self-love, really putting self before anything else. And then secondly, the love of money. Isn't it interesting? Interesting. Well, you may just automatically reference in your mind right now that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So it might make sense that at the end of the age, when wickedness is coming to its fullness, that one of the the main motivations of human hearts is going to be greed and covetousness and and the love of money. And so uh, as a teacher, as a shepherd, when I see a verse like that, I am challenged because what I want to do is then compel us and call us to live in an alternate spirit and an opposite spirit of what the spirit of the age will be at the end of the age. And so that requires us then to deal with the issue of the love of money and then answer with an alternate mentality and an alternate heart. And the way that we overcome greed and the love of money and covetousness is by developing a heart of generosity. And that's what we're going to do. In fact, my, my heart for us is that we would be a joyfully hilarious group of people when it comes to giving and receiving. I mean, I just want it to be absolutely enjoyable at every level when the opportunity comes to give. You see something like children getting little shoe boxes that cost $25, and it's going to make their entire holiday. For many of them, this will be their only thing. And you and I are going, man, you know, 25 bucks, man. They're always hitting me up. Dude, $25? You drop $25 at McDonald's. Come on. 75 shoeboxes? Are we kidding? All right, I won't beat you up. We need to take care of that tonight. Let's take care of that tonight on the way out. All right. But so in Hebrews 13, five, and my admonition to us is in light of the passages regarding the end of the age, we're gonna keep ourselves from the love of money and we're gonna do that by developing a generous spirit. Now, I'm in D under introduction. A generous spirit though it includes, and one of the key issues is how you give finances, uh, it's actually expressed in many, many other ways beyond giving money. And I list them out right there in E. And so ways that generosity can be expressed, obviously through giving finances, through giving possessions, through giving your time, through giving love. Let me just elaborate on these a little bit. And we'll talk about giving finances throughout this series. I'm going to break down, uh, you know, biblically what the Bible says about tithes, offerings. Uh, I'm going to do a message on when not to give and when to give. You know, there's times when the Bible says, don't give. Did you know that? We're going to get clear on what the Bible says about generosity and, you know, in some and, 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 God's mentality on greed. We're going to, we're going to work through a lot, but, uh, so we're gonna talk about giving finances quite a bit in the coming weeks. But giving possessions, I remember, I'll give you two stories. I remember back in the day, coming up, getting saved, coming to church, We used to, everybody used to wear ties. Remember when we used to all wear ties? Some of y'all haven't been saved long enough to remember when we used to wear ties. <clears throat> we never actually wore ties at IHOP, but back in the day, I'm dating myself a little bit here, but back in the day, most churches wore ties, men did, and, uh, and I remember there was this sort of generous thing going on and if somebody came up to you and complimented your tie, it was like, oh, give it to them. As I got more ties because I would always forget. I was just trying to be nice. Just go up and go, man, nice tie. They're like, boom. I'm like, didn't even want it, but thank you. And then it sort of started working you because if you had one of your favorite ties on, you're like, please, nobody compliment me. Please don't compliment this tie but I remember having to give away a couple of really good ties. <laughs> I remember my wife, my wife one time, she goes, what happened to your tie? I, I gave it away, she goes, I liked that tie. I'm like, oh, sometimes you gotta follow wife instead of just the little religious thing about giving the tie away. <laughs> but there's a giving of possessions that's generous, just sharing, giving, uh, you know, for some reason, for me, when I think about giving possessions, I think about food. Now, most people don't think of food as their possession, but I don't know about you, but I do. And certain food, I really like. And and I'm a pizza guy. I like pizza. You know, I'm a, I am ai mean, I'm pretty simple. I like pizza. It's good stuff. I like it. So... You know, picture your favorite food and and whatever it is, and just imagine you're hungry and you sit down with a plate of your favorite food, and just think about the generosity that you have in that moment. If somebody came and asked you, "Can I have a bite?" It just locates you. I uh, my wife and I have a little. We have a long-standing little game that we've played, really since before we were married, twenty-something years now. But uh, I, so many times I get, a little, get my pizza, get it ready, put my plate there, get my couple slices of pizza, go get my drink. And I come back, and the, the, the tip, the triangle part of my pizza is bit off. <laughs> it looked like a little mouse is just, just ate the little end of that. And I remember, because everybody knows that's the best part of the pizza, isn't it? Oh, thank you, Jesus. It is. But I remember when we first got together and there, I mean, there it was. I came back and there's a little bite out of my pizza. I said, what did you just do? You don't mess with a man's pizza. What are you doing? And I remember getting like fired up about it. And the greed of my own heart was exposed. How willingly do you give your possessions? How willingly do you share? How willingly do you give your time? Because generosity is not only expressed in money, it's expressed in your possessions, in your time. You know, it's amazing. I find this, especially in the church, we can have a whole free day set up for Saturday, day off, not gonna do, do anything, and then, Somebody needs help moving. And it's amazing how quickly our schedules will fill right up when somebody actually needs help with something like that. And, and it, it, it works us a little bit to be imposed upon, but there's a generosity that we're supposed to be carrying. And then fourthly, I just said love. You know, there's just something about being generous with love. Just sharing your heart freely with other people. I'll tell you a story in a minute about my little daughter who's very generous with love, all right. So we're just going to work through we're going to understand generosity. I'm going to talk about the blessing of generosity. And then I want to just I want to just give us some some scriptures on how we get grace to be generous. Cuz we're going to come out of this series with a heart and a mind and a willingness to be generous. Amen. So understanding generosity, you know, it always just helps me when I define a word because I, once I get the definition really landed, then I can understand what I'm even thinking. And so often, our, our, our connotations of a word are different than the, than the denotation of it. And there's, there's legitimacy to really understanding the, what goes into the makeup of a word. Because and, 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 and words, they, they matter. They mean something. And we need to uh, uh, agree with what they're really talking about. So generosity is defined, if you just look it up in the dictionary, it's defined in three ways. Giving more than what is expected, it's defined as a larger or more plentiful portion, and it's defined as showing kindness. And let me just explain these just for a minute. Uh, the, The first one, giving more than what is expected, generosity is giving more than what is expected. It's interesting to me because what immediately caught my attention was that generosity isn't simply giving. It's giving more than the baseline. More than what is expected. That's generosity. And when I started catching that, man, I felt pierced because I thought, well, I'm a giver, I must be generous. No, you can be a giver and be stingy. You can give a dollar in the offering every single time that it comes by you, but guess what? A dollar is very unlikely generous unless you live in a, you know, developing nation somewhere. In America, you got a dollar in your change dish right now. And so there's a baseline that the Bible tells us to give. And then when we give beyond that baseline, that's when we actually step into generosity. We don't actually step into generosity until we give beyond what is expected. Hallelujah. Yeah, so I thought, well, I'm a giver. I always give. I give what's expected. And the Lord goes, that's good, little boy. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But don't think more highly of yourself than you ought because generosity is giving more. Generosity is also a larger or more plentiful portion. It's it's like, you know, when you, when, you, when you go and, and you got your plate and, and, and you're in some kind of a buffet line and they're serving and they give you that just, that just half plate slop full of mashed potatoes that you know you'll never be able to eat. And it's just a generous portion. I wanna be that person. I wanna be the person that's always given the generous portion. The person that's always given a little extra. I wanna live like that. Everybody knows you like to be around that generous person because in a minute, it's gonna rub off on you a little bit. You're gonna get a little something extra, right? You like to be around the generous person. How about let's all want to be the generous person. I I want to be that person. That's that extra portion, that plentiful portion, giving generously, giving plentifully. And then thirdly is showing kindness. I thought that was an interesting... Uh, definition for it, but what the way we use that term at times is this. Like, you know, if somebody shows up, say somebody shows up late and they say, well, they were, they were generous towards me even though I was late. In other words, they were kind and they didn't, you know, treat me badly because I showed up half an hour late. They were generous. There's a kindness in generosity and that's what we need to find. As the body of Christ, as believers in this house, we need to find the kindness in generosity, where we're just willing to give more than what anybody expects. So in B, what I did was I went through and I looked at all the different biblical words that are translated generous or generosity. And, and, and I found there's a bunch of different, you know, biblical words from Hebrew and Greek, but. What I did was I I just went ahead and got the the core meanings of all those words and and listed out a bunch of them right here. So it's literally translated, the words for generosity are literally translated liberal, voluntary. Somebody's generous, they're voluntary in their giving. Magnanimous. I like that one. Yeah, let's all say that, magnanimous. You know, you want to be that person when you walk in the room, they go, hey, he's that magnanimous guy. The magnanimous guy just walked in. I like this one. Plumpness. Plumpness. Glory. Glory. In, uh, in some Eastern cultures, the, the idea of, of being plump is equated to being rich. In, in India, particularly, if you walk around and you're a little heavyset, they all look at you like you're rolling. Plumpness. I want to give plumply. (laughs) Come on. Bountifully. I like this one. Good at imparting. You know, I learned this a long time ago in a leadership teaching. Uh, A guy said, "There's there's two ways that everybody walks into a room. One person walks into the room and they say, here I am. Here I am here I am. And another person walks into the room and they say, there you are. There you are. And that second way is that good at imparting. You walk in and you're going to give grace. You're not worried about yourself. You're worried about how can I better and bless someone else. There you are. I've tried to remember that Often, even though many times I walk in a room and, I, and it's not so often, here I am. It's, here I am. Like, so even it works in the negative, in the insecure. You know, you can walk in a room and be like, here I am. It's hard to be insecure when you're not worried about yourself. And you walk in and you see somebody and say, like, there you are. How are you? Reach out. Good at imparting. That's generous. That's generous. And I just gave a little Humphrey definition, number C, letter C. I define generosity as being continually willing to give and share what you have. That word willing is going to come back in a few weeks. We're going to talk about willingness because willingness is a massive component of giving and generosity. Just being willing. The Bible has much to say about a willing heart as it relates to generosity and to giving. Okay, amen. So what I want to do now in Romans 3 is this. I just want to walk through a bunch of verses about being generous. And, And I want to call you into generosity by looking at what the Bible says about it and how blessed the generous are. Because the Bible is explicit about this truth that if you're generous, you will be blessed. I want that. I want to be that person. All right, look at this. Psalm 37, verse 21, and that whole passage there goes together all the way to verse 26 about being generous. Look what it says. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. It's understood that the righteous are to give generously, more than what's expected. The righteous give generously. Verse 26, they, talking about the righteous, are always generous. Amen. Amen. And they lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. You know, um, I, uh, when I was in college, I worked two summers as a waiter. Let me just see in the room. How many of you have ever worked as a waiter or a waitress? Just raise your hand and praise the Lord. You can put them on down. There's a fellowship between those, those of us who have worked as a waiter and a waitress. I would say this: if you've never worked as a waiter or a waitress, you don't get it. But those of us who have, we all get it. That's a hard job. Now, here's what I hated because I just gotten saved at that time. When I got that job as a, as being a waiter, they all all the other wait staff they were all willing to trade me any shift during the week that I wanted to get off for the Sunday morning shift. In other words, if I, if I didn't want to work Wednesday, they would happily trade me Wednesday for Sunday. Do you know why they wanted to trade Sunday? It wasn't because the righteous were known as being generous. It was because they knew that Sunday would be the church crowd, And they, everybody knew in the restaurant, it was just true, that the worst tips of the week came on Sunday morning. That's right. It ought not to be that way, beloved. Let me just, and they would say this, they go, they're going to give you one of those little things, those little things to read, and they're going to tell you that's your tip and not give you any money. Okay, let me just help you, just look at the little side now. Don't ever do that. Don't ever, ever do that. Don't go in a restaurant and tip them with a track and don't give them money. Come on now. We got to do better than that. Here's the thing they can't even read your track if you stiff them. That will shut their heart down so much, they won't even listen to the gospel. Let me just help you. We're still on our side journey about tipping. Back then, I made a decision. That no matter what kind of service I got, 15% is what I was going to give minimum. Now, most waiters think at least 10%, but 15% would be what I was going to give minimum. And and that's for the guy that did a bad job. And if anybody did anything a little good, it's always 20%. Always 20%. We need to think that way, beloved. To give more generously. Generously. I had somebody come up to me after the morning service, and they said, they had church people tell them, well, I only give the Lord 10%. I'm not giving any waiter that much. Hmm. Rebuke. Don't do that. That's wrong. That's wrong. Don't do that. 15% minimum, 20%. And if somebody shows up, if I show up at a restaurant and the waitress or waiter is messed, like they're just having a time because they're just, they're just got so many tables and they're all messed up, I usually just have, hey, look, I'm gonna at least give you 15%. In fact, you know, I'll just give you 20%. You don't have to worry about me. Just come and see me when you got yourself out of the weeds. And they look at me, I go, that's right, I'll take care of you. And I'm not, I may not see them for another half an hour, but I've done that a handful of times because I understand it's a hard job, and I want them to experience the blessing of generosity. That's right. And I'll just tell them, "Hey, man, I love Jesus. He loves you. Be blessed. You're good. You're doing fine." And just encourage them, guys. Let's be more like that. Let's let's change that culture in the restaurants around here, so that come on, so they don't they're not scared to work on Sundays. Dear Lord. All right, Psalm one twelve, verse five. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. Good will come to you who conduct their affairs with justice. Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous person will prosper. And look what generosity does. It refreshes others. Yes. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know, and sometimes we want to refresh somebody and be generous and be a blessing to them and we expect it to come right back, but... It's not necessarily always gonna come back from the person that you just were generous to. But the Lord's got you. He sees, he knows. Whoever refreshes somebody is going to be refreshed. Recently, we were on a family road trip and, and we went and we, we, we were hungry. And so we stopped uh, at the truck stop because uh, to, to, the truck stop had a subway in it. You know, the subways that are in the truck stops, they're different than all the other subways in the world. They're just different. They've got a different clientele, different people eating at those subways. Well, we get in line. It's, it, it's me and my little daughter. We get in line, and the guy right behind us, he looks like a truck mechanic. He's six foot four, big old barrel chest, dirty, sweaty, oily T-shirt, big old gruff beard, and I'm like kind of holding my little daughter close to me. And out of the blue, she just turns around, smiles at him, and goes and wraps her arms halfway around his belly and gives him a hug and rubs her head up in that greasy, sweaty mess. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. So I went, huh? And he goes, well, I didn't do anything to deserve that. And I go, that's okay. She's full of love. She's just wanting to share that with you. Come here, dear. Come here. (laughs) Move her on back. But what ends up happening is this. At first, it's just she and I, and I think, I think, Kobe was with me, but one by one, my my family begins to multiply from three to four to five to six because everybody's been in the restroom. So now I'm adding to the line in front of this guy and the line behind him has grown out the door. And every time somebody's showing up, he's like, oh, I guess another one's coming, huh? And, And I would turn and I would say something. Every time I turn, I don't know what was going on with my little daughter this day, but every time I would turn and say something to him, she would go and she would turn around and hug him. And it was just, it was unnerving to him, to me. It was odd. It was, it was extra. It was, she was being generous more than what was expected. And, uh, and he was just getting upset because the line had grown before him and just with my whole family. And I thought, well, what about I were the Palmers or somebody's whole tribe? But um, anyway, I, finally, I just turned to him. I said, hey, listen. I said, I'm, I'm gonna buy your lunch, man. He goes, you don't need to do that. I go, I, I know I don't need to. I, I just, you know, I just, for your trouble and our whole crew is here, let me just buy you lunch. He goes, no, don't do that. I don't want you to. I'm like, okay. And there's my little daughter. She hugs him again. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just thinking, what is going on here? And so we we get to the end and, and I just, I, I pay for our, our meal and I, I just tell the cashier. I said, hey, I'm gonna buy that guy's lunch. Just pay for that guy behind me. I just heard his trouble. And so I ring him up and I pay for him. We go sit down. <clears throat> He goes through the line, he comes over to me and he's not exactly happy. He just comes over and he just goes, hey, you didn't have to do that. I go, I I know I didn't, but that's the whole point. Just wanted to be a blessing to you, man. God bless you. Have a good afternoon, okay? And there's my daughter. (laughs) And he walked on off. Well, I mean, he's not gonna be the one to refresh my daughter. But you know what? Whatever that was, that impulse that she was following, where she was just being generous with her heart towards this this man who's just obviously, you know, he's just gruff. He's just probably been through a lot. The Lord's gonna remember that and pay her back. He's gonna refresh her because she's trying to refresh someone else. And that's how it is with you. When you refresh the soul of somebody, you will be refreshed. Flip on over. Proverbs 22, verse nine. The generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. I was just in Africa, you know, going to Africa made me have to just think it through. It it really pierced me this time. I've thought of it many times before, but you know, you go to a place like that and you realize what poor is. Because a lot of times in America, people say, well, I can't give, I don't have any money. But guys, you, you don't really get it how wealthy you are. If you're making minimum wage, if you, if you lived in Africa, you would be so extravagantly well off. Now I understand our cost of living is different. I understand that. But it, this particular time when I was there, it just, it really rested on me like, why did the Lord see to it that I would be born in America and have an abundance compared to the rest of the world? And, and, and I just felt I just felt that that leadership of the Lord, where the Lord just encouraging me, and that's where I was talking about being convicted about my own generosity, that there's far more distance I can be in, in, in being generous uh, with people around the earth, the poor of the earth. And the scriptures are so clear about giving to the poor. When, when you share your food with the poor, the generous will be blessed. Proverbs 11, 24, 25, there's one who scatters, yet increases more. It's talking about a giver, a generous giver. He's scattering, but it's gonna increase more. And there's one who withholds more than what is right. Notice again, more than is right. There's this baseline expectation that we're supposed to at least meet in our giving. More than what is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. I like that generous soul will be made. When you're generous, it comes back to you in more ways than just money. There's a richness that comes to your soul. Some of the happiest, most joyful, most peaceful people I've ever met are people who are just extremely generous. There's something that happens in the soul of, of a generous person. There's a blessing that 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 fills them with with the life of God. He who waters will also be watered himself, all right. Proverbs 22, nine. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. There it is again. Isaiah 32, eight. I like this one. A generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. I like the devising of generous things. Some friends, different ones, that if you go out to eat with them, it's impossible to pay. It's just impossible. In fact, they just won't allow it. So the other day I was, I was visiting some friends in, in Virginia and we were out to eat and, and these are missionaries. These aren't wealthy people, they're missionaries. And, and they, they actually live in, in their, their parents' basement. They don't, they don't have a lot of money. But every time I've ever been with them, they're always paying for me. And, uh, and so there we were out to eat and I had to devise a generous plan because they're like ninjas. <laughs> they're like generous ninjas. I, I mean, there I am many times, been with them eating or with the husband eating and, and then all of a sudden the bill is paid and we're walking out and I don't even know when he did it. So I literally had to follow the waiter into the kitchen. I said, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I followed him back into the kitchen. Said, do not let them pay under any circumstances. I'm paying for the bill. They won't ever let me pay. Tonight is the night. There's just something about when, that, when this thing starts getting a hold of you, you, you want to figure out ways to be generous. You know, you want to figure out ways to be liberal, to give, to release, and to bless. It becomes a it becomes a like a fun thing to your heart, a joy. Luke 6:35 uh, Love your enemies. Jesus talking here. Do good and lend hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. Your reward will be great. And then finally 2 Corinthians 9. In this in this conversation that Paul's having in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he's talking to the churches that he has leadership with and there are He's instructed them to get ready to take up an offering to to care for some of the other churches that are really in poverty. And so he's told them ahead of time, hey, we're going to come through. What I want you to do is prepare an offering, and we're going to take it back to these other churches that are in real poverty. Well, what ends up happening is when you read 8 and 9 together, 2 Corinthians, you find that the churches of Macedonia were also in poverty, but they did not want to be left out of the offering. And so even in their poverty, they gave generously, which that's the key that there's this thing about being willing. Even if you don't have a lot, there's something you do have that you can give. And what we tend to do is act like the widow's mite doesn't matter. But if I remember correctly, Jesus made a big deal out of the widow's might. It mattered a lot. And so here where Paul is now kind of summing up, he says this as he's he's giving them the final admonition to get this offering ready in Corinth. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is such a cool thought. So often when I've seen giving and receiving taught, it's always give and you'll receive more. And if you give more, you'll receive more. And the measure you give, you'll get more of those. Give hundreds if you want hundreds, give thousands if you want thousands. And usually there's an appeal to give an offering at the end. That's not what Paul's doing here. He's, he's using the principle saying, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you give generously, you'll, you'll receive generously. But look what he says, he goes, when this happens, God will bless you abundantly so that you'll have your needs met, you'll be able to abound in every good work, everything God calls you, you'll have finances for. And look at this, you'll be enriched so that on every occasion, you can be generous again. Oh, I love that. Be generous so you can always be generous. Oh, that's precious. That's the way it should be in our hearts, that we want to give and be a blessing and be generous and just get in the euphoria of that so that we can continue to give and to give and to give again in a generous way. So once we kind of hear all this, it, it kind of it drills down on us. As I said a minute ago, I realized in my own heart that there's, I thought I was self, a pretty generous guy, but I realized that there's, there's much more I can grow in this area of generosity. And, and hopefully you're feeling that too, Let's then look at a few scriptures that will impart grace to us to be generous. Because sometimes we just got to move over to that place, just get out of stinginess. Come on. Just get out of stinginess. Just pry that hand on open. Come on. And be able to receive and bless in a, in a joyful way. All right. How do we get grace to be? through obedience? When you by faith obey the word, grace comes. Now here's what I'm saying. I am taking a step of obedience as a leader, as a teacher to instruct us to be generous. I feel like we've given well as a community, but can I say that I think we've given way more than what's to be expected or given above what's to be expected? I I, I think we've got room to grow. I think we've got room to excel. And and, and here's what I would say. When I looked at 1 Timothy, and here's Paul's admonitions to Timothy, the young pastor, and he's teaching Timothy what to teach to his congregation. He says, I want you to instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. Now, depending on what version of the Bible you read, if you read the NKJV, now, if you read the NIV, that word instruct is translated command. I chose the NAS because I'm not trying to command anybody tonight. But I am instructing us. I want to instruct us to be generous. There's an obedience because the Bible tells us to be generous. There's an obedience to the word that releases grace to, be, to enable our obedience. So firstly... There's grace and being, obedience and, and being obedient. And obedience is a sign of our love. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. You will keep what I command. So there's a grace in there. There's an intimacy and a grace released when we obey. Secondly, there's a revelation that we all need of the Father's generosity. And this really landed on me as I was meditating on these verses this week thinking about our father who is so generous who is so i mean so willing to give and to share and to bless and to offer again that same chapter first timothy 6 again paul telling timothy he says instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, look at this phrase, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. God not only wants to supply you with everything to meet your needs and to cause you to abound so you can be generous on every occasion, he also wants to supply you richly with all things to enjoy. He actually cares about what you like. The, scripture are, the scriptures are clear. He wants to meet your needs and give you more so you can be a blessing and be generous. And he actually cares about giving you things to enjoy. Isn't that interesting? Because we kind of think this way. On the one side, we go to those prosperity teachers over there. And there's like hundredfold return. And Jesus would have worn a Rolex. And you know, you just got to... You know, just, you know, get all this money and, and that's a sign of spirituality. Well, on the other side of the coin, there's this poverty mentality, which is just your needs. Just your needs met. Just a house and two meals a day. That's just all I need, really. Doesn't matter if my clothes are tore up and all that. But that actually, and there's several other verses that talk about how the Lord cares about what you like. You know why he's like that? Because he's a good father. He's a good father, and he's generous, guys. He's gonna. It delights him to give us the kingdom. Yeah, that's right. It delights him to give us the kingdom. He wants to share of who he is because this is what he is. He is generous. The whole idea that we get welcomed into intimacy, that the Godhead shared from eternity past, that through the blood of Jesus, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son... That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. That whole idea is a statement of our Father. And this is the thing. If he's generous, his kids should be generous. We should be the most generous bunch around. We should be the most hilariously generous, joyful group around. In fact, if you read like Deuteronomy 15, I I, I may teach on it, I may not, but I'll just give it to you as an assignment. You can read it. When it talks about the year of release, anybody who had loans, they were released. And and this was within the nation of Israel because it goes on to say that nobody should lack among you. You should all be generous with one another. I just thought, man, man. What if that was the testimony of the church? I comes in, starts rubbing shoulders with Christians, and he starts realizing these people are like lighthearted. They're like happy. They're joyful. They're open-handed. They'll just give you just whatever. I mean, they just just bless each other all the time. They're all taken care of. That would be a testimony to a world that doesn't even know what Jesus is like. The father is generous. We need a revelation of the generous heart of our father. And in light of who he is as a generous father, allow that to impact us. And the way that I deduce it is this. I just think, if God is generous, what right do I have to not be? And it it, it convicts me. I say, yes, Lord, I want to be like you, Abba. I want to be like you. C, understanding the truth of stewardship. Now, I I taught a whole series on stewardship last year. And and when you actually get to the core of stewardship, what you find out is this, that being a good steward isn't about spending your money the right way. It's not even about getting good deals. (laughs) Like I didn't didn't buy retail, I got it off eBay. Hallelujah. That's me, I always, (laughs) eBay and Craigslist. I'll do that all day long. But, but it's, being a good steward is not even really about that. Being a good steward is faithfully obeying what God wants you to do with his money. I remember hearing back in the day teaching on tithes and they would say, the tithe belongs to the Lord and the 90% that's yours. No, that's false. You know why? Because all of it's the Lord's. It's all his. All the money you possess is God's. All the time you possess is God's. The body you live in is God's. Your home is God's. possessions are God's. Being a good steward is being faithful and obedient to manage God's stuff the way that God wants you to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we do that with a heart of love because love is the governor for our stewardship. Lord, I love you. How, how do you want me to manage the resources that you've put in my hands? Just let's make this an intimacy point. That's what the Lord wants it to be is an intimacy point that we interface with him and we really understand that this stuff is not ours. In fact, our very lives are not our own. That's Christianity. And so I love this verse in Luke 17, 10 because it's just, it just I don't know, it just punches you. (laughs) This is a parable Jesus has given there and then he summarizes it with this. He says, so you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, you should say we are unworthy servants and we've only done our duty. There's something about really understanding stewardship and being a servant to the Lord where if you live obediently, You've only done what was expected. It's, it's what we're, we're, we're called to be and to do as, as stewards of God. All right, D, how do we get grace to be generous? By trusting completely in the Lord's commitment to provide for our needs. He knows, he sees. Do you think he doesn't know to, to the dime exactly what you need? Do you think he doesn't know what your desires are? Do you think he doesn't know? He knows everything about you. He knows everything that's going on with you. He knows the bills. He, he knows the needs. He knows what they'll be in six months. He knows better than you, I promise. He's got you. There's something freeing about living this life liberated in the faith that says, God knows my needs and he's gonna meet every need. It's true what Paul said. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you actually get that verse in context, it's in light of us generously giving and sharing, but he is the one who supplies us. He's the one that's gonna take care of us Lastly, we get grace to be generous through the revelation of the blessing of liberality. We all know this verse, Acts 20, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than receive. We all know that. But do we really believe that? Think about it. Do you really believe it's more blessed to give than receive? Let me just give you a really pertinent example. In my own life, I've got a birthday coming up. I'm going to be 46. I said it. Now, I I just had to work through this. I'm still working through it. I'm not quite there. So baby, don't get any funny ideas just yet. I have a birthday coming up. And I just thought, what if on my birthday, nobody said happy birthday. Nobody wrote a nice little note on my Facebook page. Nobody gave me any presents. There was no cake. And... Instead, the Lord told me to like give away a couple thousand dollars to people. Woof. I just was like, what if that was my birthday? And in my own heart, I was like, oh, that sounds like a horrible birthday. (laughs) That sounds like a bad birthday. (laughs) And I just had to, I'm just being honest. you're, You're more holy than I am, I get it. But me, I just how I, I work through this kind of stuff sometimes. I go, well, do I really believe it's more blessed to give than receive? Do I really? Because what happens to us is we get Christian phrases, Bible verses, Christian slogans. We get them in our minds. And sometimes they actually lose the potency because we write them off. We think, oh, I got that one. You know, I got that. I already know that one. More blessed to give and receive. I got it. Do you got it? Do you got that it's more blessed if you give it away than if you receive it? (laughs) Trying to think about how many testimonies I've heard in the church where somebody came up and said, I just gave my house away. Glory. Because we usually hear the testimony about how they received a house or a car, or a fill in the blank. But you almost never hear the testimony about how somebody just got struck with joy and like give everything away. And it was awesome, like we never hear that. That sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? I'm not, I'm just saying this. There's a principle about giving and a joy and a power and a freedom that comes in being generous that I actually don't think we really understand. I'll give you, I'll, I'll end with this one story. I was, uh, I was teaching at this youth conference this one time and it was a week-long youth conference and I was, I was the speaker on the last night and there was a thousand teenagers in the room. And uh, it was really odd uh, because when the guy that got up to to get to to receive the evening offering, when he got up there was just there was a I don't know how you would say it there was just a plus one anointing on the room you could just feel the Lord resting on the offering message, and so he just he just gave a, a three to five minute little exhortation invited people to give generously it's honestly it's nine hundred teenagers. And a hundred adults. It's the end of a week of youth camp. They ain't got no money. They've already spent it on Snickers all week. That's what they've been doing—candies <laughs> and whatever, T-shirts. We're at the end of the week. It's just—it's gonna be five hundred dollars in this offering. This guy takes up this offering, and praise begins to break out during the giving. And the kids are like dancing their way down the aisle and like slam dunking the stuff in. Then they're dancing on back. I'm watching this thing. I'm like, what is going on in here? And the generosity begins to just bubble over and the room gets charged with power. I mean, power hits the room on the offering. I was like, and it wasn't hype. It wasn't one of these, if you'll give right now, you'll get your miracle. hundredfold. It was none of that. With none of that. It was just to give generously. And something happened, and the kids caught it, and they were praising their way, and they were slam dunking that money in those offering buckets, and they were dancing their way back to their seats. Till after they took up the offering, a bunch of them are just sort of like dancing around their chairs with no music. I get up to preach well when I get up to preach I don't know I just said something like I just believe the Lord is going to move in power tonight you know a youth conference speaker I mean, it's last night we're going to go for it and I just say whatever God's going to move in power the room yeah I mean they blow up out of their chairs and they're filling the aisles now and I'm like man this is awesome <laughs> I've never been to a meeting like this one and I'm like, the Lord wants to raise up. And I said, you know what? I, in my mind, I thought, I'm going to take all the hype out of this. I'm gonna make this the hardest thing for them to praise about. And I said, the Lord wants to raise up a generation who will lay down their lives for Jesus. I go, he wants a murder generation who won't only live for him, but who will pour out their blood for him and die for him. They go, yeah! They but here's what happens. They blow up in praise. And so this is you wouldn't believe this if you did not if you weren't actually there. I actually showed this video back in the day to some people because it was just too crazy. But they blow up in praise. When I say that, they fill the aisles. It becomes a the whole room turns into a mosh pit. And a bunch of them run up on the platform, about 200 kids. And it is a stampede. I run to get out of there. The musicians come running on to protect their instruments. And there is a full-blown 200 kids on this platform doing a mosh pit, praising God about being martyrs. I've never seen anything like it. And, I, and I, I mean, just going out of that, I thought, what in the world just happened in there? I've never seen anything like that. And you know, they told me afterwards that that offering that they took up, it was $19,000. Listen, this is a youth conference that has been going for 25 years. It was the largest single night offering ever. In the history of that youth conference, nineteen thousand dollars from a thousand nine hundred teenagers and hundred adults on the last night of camp—that's that's a that is a miracle. I mean, that, I mean, you've heard larger numbers than that in offerings, but that is just unbelievable. They just emptied it out and gave. it. But what my point is is this: when the generosity exploded, the power of God hit the place. I just feel like there's a generous spirit the Lord wants us to operate in. A freedom where we're not bound by the spirit of this age, and, and we're not under the sway of that love of money. And there's a liberality and a joy and, and just a, a, a giving spirit that just it just overwhelms us. And what we've got to do is we've got to get free from greed. We've got to get free from covetousness. We've got to deal with the lies that say, God's not going to take care of you. God's not going to supply for you or or you're not going to have enough. We've got to get rid of that stuff and allow the Lord to speak right into our hearts and revelation of his generosity so that we can be a people that look just like our father. Freely giving. Amen? Amen. Amen and amen. All right, let's stand.